Welcome in Vegas. School Tonight's Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Jared Justice, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215 home of the... Okay, I lied. That was your best woo ever. It's the best woo you've ever wooed. I mean, you got to give me reps, coach. <laughs> Just keep showing up. Yeah, there you go. At this rate, like, you're going to have eight shows in before Chapman gets back. Oh, gosh, please don't say that. I, I really like to go home <laughs> at 5 o'clock. Listen, you can go I home. I like at- to listen on my way home. I think Chapman will be here, as we expect, Chapman will be here on Monday, but Jared Justice doing a phenomenal job behind the controls. And joining me in studio, I don't know, is this your co-hosting debut? I believe it is, yeah. Okay, all right. Ben Goats, Las Vegas Review Journal, joining me here, uh, at least for the first hour. We're going to get into Ben's experience from covering a Stanley Cup champions. Because, again, I I don't know if you've been living under a rock, but this is something that we do here on this program. We've started it for the first, now, three shows. uh, And we're going to keep going. The Golden Knights are Stanley Cup champions. They are. And I know it happened, right? Like, I know it happened. I was there. You were there. We were all there. We all enjoyed the moment. Uh, But as time goes on, I still find myself maybe not believing that it happened. And then I, you know, look, look back at the pictures or watch the highlights or watch the games back over again, uh, especially a 9-3 drubbing of the Florida Panthers in the elimination game. Um, it, it's a phenomenal thing. It's a beautiful thing. And we got to cover a Stanley Cup champion. Like, that's just a phenomenal, awesome aspect. So, Ben, how was your summer? My summer was awesome. It was restful. It was shorter, obviously, than <laughs> usual, but that's okay. I still got to get away, do a couple vacation-y things, got to go back home to Minnesota, got mm-hmm. to go to a couple other places. But, yeah, it was short, sweet, and now we're basically right back into it where, yeah, next week we're looking at rookie camp, the week after training camp, and then we start this whole process over again to see if this team's going to be the third one in the salary cap era to repeat. Okay, so you mentioned that it's a shorter summer. How much shorter does it does it really feel to you? A lot. So we're if we're contrasting it from last year, which was the longest summer you could possibly have, where <laughs> yeah. like by mid-August last year, probably early August, like I was ready to like pull my hair out. I was so yeah. bored. Cause like the first like month, month and a half you have off, you're like, this is nice. I have free time activities, I can catch up on all these shows. That people tell me I should watch. I'm now caught up on the bear because everyone told me to watch the bear. Uh, but last year, it just really got to a point where, like, I was begging to like do anything semi work related mm-hmm. to keep my sanity intact. I'm sure my my poor wife who works from home was just very ready to get me out of the house because I was just <laughs> jumping all over the walls. I was jittery. I just like had all this like pent up energy with nowhere to go, which I assume on a much larger level all the Knights had as well, and they channeled that, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, into a championship. I channeled it into typing very furiously a couple (laughs) different times. You know, different strokes for different people. Yeah. Um, So it did feel a lot shorter this time where uh, it wrapped, you know, up. I just uh, went away for Labor Day weekend, went to Minnesota, and I was like, all right, well, I guess we're now hitting the ground running. It doesn't feel like we've been away that long, but uh, it certainly was – more interesting o- over the summer, and I still accomplished uh, a lot. And so compared to last year, I thought this was a lot better. So do you feel refreshed now going into this into this new season? Because I, I think that's one of the things that may- might be a question mark for the Golden Knights, right? Like, we saw what they were able to do with a full off season. 
with a full ability to rest, recover, and come back with that renewed energy. It ends in a Stanley Cup championship. This is another one of those short off seasons that, you know, fortunately for this team, we have become accustomed to and they've become accustomed to. Like, how much do you think the off season being shortened impacts what we should expect from this team going into this year? I think it's going to be really unique because I think we saw coming into the year, the Knights missed the playoffs. They had a little bit of an easier training camp. They didn't have a lot of energy after consecutive uh, deep runs into the NHL semifinals. And so it did lag a little bit in training camp. I'm really fascinated to see how Bruce Cassidy Mm -hmm. approaches this camp because obviously I think he knew going into year one, one, he's got to be heavy on system stuff because he's like, I'm going to change a lot of things, so we got to be really hard in terms of teaching, in terms of getting these guys on the ice, of working them to make sure they understand the, you know, the system second nature by the time we get to actual games. And I think he knew, okay, I can you know crack the whip a little bit because these guys are hungry, these guys are willing to do that, and they'll be accepting of kind of a hard-charging camp because they're going to feel like we need that, we need to get back to our previous level. I'm curious about the balance. Yeah, he's going to strike because you know, you're – talking to uh, some guys yesterday before the night's annual, you know, charity golf tournament. Mm. And Ben Hutton was like, yeah, you know, it's like you kind of finally sit down on your couch, you rest and relax, and you look at your calendar, you're like, <laughs> nope, got to go right back to the gym. Yeah. Never exactly. mind. We got to start prepping. And even Keegan Colasar was like, it does feel really weird, you know, in terms of my, our off-season prep this summer compared to last summer just because you had so much more time. But on the other hand, and I think uh, Keegan mentioned this, and I do really believe is I do think – there's still going to be a lot of motivation there, just a different type of motivation where now they've had the summer, they've partied with the cup, they've done every conceivable thing with the cup. And, you know, I think Alec Martinez said this even during the run before the Knights officially clinched their championship. Where he's like, whenever you win it, mm-hmm. it's just so much fun that all you want to do is do it over again. And so I do think it's going to be coming from a different angle, but I still expect the motivation and the hunger to still be there. My contention is that this team isn't, just like they're not they're not happy with one right like I I think that when you look at Mark Stone when you look at Jack Eichel when you look at you know the players that this organization is still comprised of they want legacy right like Jonathan Marcheseau wants legacy Jonathan Marcheseau wants to be a guy who's known not just as a one-time Stanley Cup champion and a Conn Smythe winner like he wants multiple I think that that's kind of an, an understood aspect of this organization and it extends beyond the players so I don't I, like with some champions, I feel like you can kind of look at that motivation and, and think that it might not be as much as you'd expect it to be the next season. I don't think there's contentment here with the Golden Knights. And of course, we have to see what happens once they hit the ice. But just looking at how motivated this group is, I, I think they're looking for another. I think they're looking for another championship. I, I, I do believe they want to be a team that repeats. Yeah, I mean, we can just call it out, right? The 2018 Washington Capitals, we're very happy with one. Oh, that yeah. That was very yeah, obvious. Absolutely. It was, it, was the, it was the championship, and now it's the goal-scoring record. Right. That's, they then, moved on immediately. 100%. And, and, and listen, you can fight me if you want to. If you're a Capitals fan and you believe that this team is playing for a Stanley Cup, you're delusional because they're not. They are playing for Alex Ovechkin, and they are playing for his right to be the best goal-scorer to ever play the game, and that's the only reason – the Capitals are playing games right now. Right, which is fine if that's the road you want to go down. More sure. power too. I love Ovechkin. I love watching him <laughs> score goals. That's fine. That's fun. Um, but yeah, I think what it starts with me is like I already mentioned one of them, but like guys like Martinez and Petrangelo, mm-hmm. I think are just the obvious examples for me of you know, Alec Martinez is a you know two-time Stanley Cup champion going into last year who led the NHL in block shots 
again. Mm -hmm. uh, he didn't let up at all, and I don't expect him to all of a sudden duck out of a few more pucks now that he's a three-time Stanley Cup champion. Like, that's just how he's wired. That's in his DNA. Same mm -hmm. with Alex Petrangelo. Mm -hmm. You know, got the Stanley Cup, got the big contract, was still the number one defenseman on another Stanley Cup championship caliber team. And so I think those two guys especially, was definitely with the blue line, set such a tone of you know, not being satisfied, of always pushing for more, of always striving for greatness, that I think it's really easy for a lot of other guys to fall in line. And I think Bruce Cassidy was pretty intentional when he started the back-to-back -back chance mm -hmm. at the victory parade. I think Bruce <laughs> yeah, yeah. was definitely aware of what he was doing there, of like, I'm getting this out early sure, so that all of these guys know whenever they, you know, pack up for the summer in a couple days once they all split after the parade that, you know, this was not the goal. The goal is back-to-back, -back, and I'm just going to plant that seed early so that when I come back for training camp and I skate you guys hard the first day, you can all say that you knew it was coming. Okay, so we're back in the saddle. We're, we're starting to look ahead now to next season, and I, I guess the question becomes, what are the obstacles to repeating, right? Like, I, I think that you start to look at maybe the Pacific Division. I'm not worried about it. You look at the Western Conference – even then, I'm not really worried about it. Like, there's maybe a couple of teams. If you've got a couple, like, let's talk it out. But what are the obstacles right now for the Golden Knights in terms of going into this season and what stands in the way of them potentially repeating? Yeah, so it's not talent like we're talking about, right? And I don't think yeah. it's going to be a desire. I mean, there's the normal things that could trip any team up. Like, the obvious one is health, mm -hmm. right? They had an incredibly good stretch of health. They did not have a guy miss a game for injury or illness the final three rounds mm -hmm. of playoff hockey. The only mm -hmm. guy that missed a game was Alex Petrangelo out with a suspension. That's remarkable in any stretch. Uh, you ever get to, you know, a month and a half of regular season hockey where a guy doesn't miss a game, mm -hmm. that's insane. So if obviously something happens, that could easily, of course, trip him up. Uh, as you mentioned, I don't think, I don't, I'm not scared by anyone in the Western Conference. Sure. Could I see Dallas beating him? Yeah, I think that could be a fun series if that was a rematch. Same with Edmonton where, you know, do I think the Knights would be favored against the Oilers? Yes. Could the Oilers beat them? Potentially, yes, if they actually commit to defense at some point uh, in their okay, history. Okay, all right, all right. Will they? Like, do you, do you believe that the Edmonton Oilers... <laughs> Okay, this is this is a thing on the show now. Like, anytime anyone says the Edmonton Oilers, if they commit... Okay, will they do it? Do you believe they can do it? Do I believe somewhere deep in my heart, I guess there's part of me that wants to hope that they can do it just for Connor McDavid's sake. Mm -hmm. um, so talented that he is. Do I think that they're going to do it, especially in front of Stuart Skinner and Jack Campbell? Uh huh. Uh, I think the tone of my voice says I'm not entirely <laughs> you don't believe confident. It. Yeah, exactly. I would like to buy into it. I'm not sure. There's part of me that wants to buy into the narrative that certainly if anyone's seen like quotes from Connor and mm -hmm. Leon Dreisaitl over the summer that they really took this loss to the Knights to heart mm -hmm. in terms of they thought if we beat the Knights, we are the ones lifting the trophy and not them and the Knights certainly I think would you know, back that up by saying Edmonton was the hardest team we played, but there's so many structural issues there where I just can't see them getting that same level of buy-in mm -hmm. and commitment. I have never seen a it-hurts-to-win mentality from the Edmonton Oilers. I don't think uh, that's going to be on any sort of Oiler team slogans mm -hmm. anytime soon. So I think there's always the potential for them to get there if there's a couple things clicking into place. 
Will they? I certainly would probably not uh, bet any significant amount of my fortune or anything I own on it. Okay, you said a couple of things, right? That McDavid and Dreisaitl, they they took that one to heart. It wasn't close, though. Like, I know it was a close. It was a six-game series, and I agree with you in that if you're if you're going to ask the Golden Knights, what was the toughest series? It was Edmonton, 100%. Even though they played the same amount of games against Dallas, that was really never in question. Even though I think that was a bit closer, at least through the, through the first two games or so. Um, five on five, they got caved in. The Edmonton Oilers got caved in five on five. And the biggest issue outside of defense, outside of not being able to keep the puck out of the net with their goaltending, they don't have the balance and the depth if McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't on the ice. And then there, there's like that aspect of if they're not together, can they be as effective apart? And then what are you doing to the rest of your lineup that way? And how much are you willing to redline those two guys in the regular season? Knowing you're not going to get as much out of them in the postseason. So, like, fundamentally, I feel like the Edmonton Oilers construction roster construction is flawed because I don't think that it's built in a way that will allow them to have legitimate playoff success. Yeah. The depth question is I think for a lot of the other Western conference teams where you poke holes at, right? Cause we mentioned Colorado and that's the scary thing for Colorado for me, as I look past, you know, the first five guys, which are obviously sensational when you Mm -hmm. go through, you know, McKinnon, McCarr, Rantanen and all that, but you look at their bottom six, you look at some of the guys that they're going to be putting out there. It's not, that's scary once you get past their top two lines. And that was obviously a huge issue they had in the playoffs and why they lost to the Seattle Kraken, who are all depth. They have no stars. They are only depth, uh, which is why I find the the Kraken so fascinating. And I actually think they're going to be a really interesting team to watch this year. But that, I think, is the Knights' advantage, specifically in their conference. Obviously, you can look to the Eastern Conference, and this was the case this year as well, mm-hmm. where there's going to be a lot of really good teams in the East. Obviously, I think a lot of people are excited about the Devils, the Hurricanes are always a really strong contender. You could go through, I mean, Maple Leafs obviously have the superstar firepower at the top of their lineup. You can go through five or six Eastern Conference contenders. But, of course, if you're the Knights, you only theoretically have to play one. And mm-hmm. in the case of this year, you don't even have to play any of the best ones. You have to play the eighth seed, Florida Which, Panthers. Whichever one gets there. Right, exactly. And that's the beautiful thing about it, right? Like, I look at the Western Conference, I think that you're right. There are good teams, but I would I would say that pretty much all of them are flawed. And then you look at the Golden Knights, who are able to bring back essentially the same roster, minus Riley Smith. And you know, when you when you start to think about roadblocks to repeating, replacing Riley Smith, what he brings to the table, not just on ice, but the leadership aspects, power play, penalty kill, all the different scenarios he plays in, that's one of the big ones for me is what does that look like? How does that shake out? Who's the guy or guys that kind of come in and mitigate the loss of the production you're going to get from Riley Smith? Yeah, I'm guessing Bruce Cassidy is going to spread it out in a couple of different ways. And mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how he deploys this because you mentioned the penalty killing aspect. Well, I could see a guy like Brett Howden, for example, being like, okay, Brett, we need you to play an extra 30 seconds on the penalty kill and you're going to take up some of that burden. Obviously at five on five, I could see, obviously they're probably going to have a training camp competition where it's mm-hmm. Paul Cotter, Pavel Dorofeyev. You guys fight for Riley Smith five on five role. Mm-hmm. And then potentially you guys could fight for that power play spot as well. Maybe Ivan Barbashev could get a little bit more involved in the power play though. Obviously he's a really good net front guy as well. Nick Y could move potentially over to the Riley Smith side, see who works out in the bumper. They've also moved Smith to the half wall as well but I think that's a job that's going to be spread out mm. I would imagine a little bit I don't think 
Bruce Cassidy is just going to look at one guy and say, you're the guy. And like we just finished talking about, that is the one thing about this roster that I think you can point back to. Certainly in the Western Conference that pretty much nobody, I think, can match up with. Is They just have the depth where they don't need to rely on just a couple guys every night. They don't need to rely on a McKinnon or a McDavid to do everything for them to play 22 minutes a night at forward. If Riley Smith goes out, you have a couple different guys that can fill that role. And same thing we saw, it I think, a lot during the regular season, which is Jack gets hurt, you elevate William Carlson's minutes, and you can mm-hmm. spread out the power play stuff through different guys. And they just have more answers and easy solutions for that because of their depth than a lot of other teams. How do you think the Stanley Cup changed Jack Eichel? I think it helped him basically prove to himself and the rest of the hockey world that that's how good he is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one thing to believe that. I think it's one thing to have a bunch of people in your corner telling you that and, you know, having your back. But I think when you go out and do it, it just adds another level of confidence And I think it's going to be a really interesting thing for him this year because I'm sure that when he and Bruce Cassidy sit down or maybe they talk this offseason, got together in Cape Cod again, Bruce Cassidy is going to pull that playoff tape and be like, that's what I need from you now Mm -hmm. for 82 games. Because there were stretches where that version of Jack was with the Knights. There were stretches where that version of Jack wasn't with the Knights during the regular season. And I'm sure Bruce is like, the worst thing that you did was tell me that you have that in your bag. Because now that I've seen that you've taken that out of your bag, that's the expectation from now on. And, and the beautiful thing about that is it, it doesn't change or it doesn't it doesn't raise the expectations for production from Jack Eichel. Like, I don't need Jack Eichel to be a 100-point player. If you get what Jack brought to the table in the postseason, if you get that commitment to defense, if you get that that doggedness on the puck, if you get his ability to get inside and, and just make plays, I don't need Jack Eichel leading the charge or, or being – this this monster when it comes to point production what i need is all around every situation jack eichel and if i get that the golden knights are going to be a a really hard team to beat right they're going to be just so hard to match up against Mm -hmm. five on five right because i mean that was the thing in the playoffs who are you exploiting in that point there was a time where it seemed like opposing coaches were trying to like okay if we're at home let's get our top line out against the eichel line because we Mm -hmm. think that's the one that we can take advantage of obviously that wasn't really the case anymore in the playoffs, there's no matchup that opposing coaches are searching for. There's no one that they feel confident in. And if Eichel continues to play that way, they're still not going to have any answers moving forward. And, and a lot of that was unlocked because of Mark Stone, right? Mark Stone comes back into the lineup in the postseason, incredibly healthy, and it gives the Golden Knights legitimately four lines that they can roll over in any situation and feel comfortable and confident in. You talked about health being a major factor should the Golden Knights go out and repeat this year. Uh, we've, you know, we've talked about replacing Riley Smith and all the things that he brings to the table. Goaltending is... Uh, always a hot button issue, right? Like everyone always wants to talk about goaltending, especially, especially here in Vegas. The expectation that I have going into the season is that you're looking at the same tandem, right? You're looking at Aiden Hill and you're looking at Logan Thompson. Those two guys solidified a position where there were a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainty going into last year. And Logan Thompson played to an all-star level, unfortunately gets hurt and Aiden Hill was right there in the mix for me in terms of Conn Smythe. I thought the work that he did in the postseason was fantastic. Do you do you view it that way? Do you think that like 
there's there's any question as to whether or not the Golden Knights are going to take any type of step back in the goal in goaltending this year because I don't necessarily believe that. You've got a motivated Logan Thompson and you've got a motivated Aiden Hill. Yeah, my main question for them is are they going to stay healthy, right? Yeah. Obviously these are two guys that have never gotten through a full NHL season before. Last year was the most Logan Thompson has ever played and of course he wasn't ready throughout the entire postseason. Aiden Hill's never started 25 games in a season before. Regular season, obviously, made it through a lot of playoff games. So that's, I think, to me, the key. I don't have a lot of questions of can this be an effective tandem behind this blue line, behind the Bruce Cassidy defense. I think they've proven that if you get us back there, we're going to be able to perform. We know how to work the system. I think Aiden Hill, especially in the playoffs, showed that he really knew how to operate within this system. Bruce Cassidy talked about when we you know, brought him in, we did analytical studies in terms of what kind of shots my system gives up what kind of goalies are good at stopping those shots. We found Aiden Hill as a guy that could fit that, give up a fourth-round pick, boom, now we got him. And he, of course, as you said, is in that contention for the Conn Smythe, though uh, I actually did not have him on my three-player ballot. You didn't have him on your ballot? He was behind uh, Jonathan Marcheseau, Jack Eichel, and Mark Stone. That's fine. Yeah, I thought... Like, I'm, not, I'm not mad at you. There's a lot of good candidates, uh, which usually happens. You're, you're the thinking. nicest guy in sports media. Like, I, I'm not going to be mad at you. Mark Stone uh, scoring a hat trick in the clincher obviously tilted me in a certain direction as well, or could have influenced me as I had to turn that in uh, midway through the third period. Well, okay, hold on. Now, now I want to pull a thread. Um, you had Marcia one. I had Marcia one. Eichel, Eichel two, two. Mark Stone what, three. Let me ask you now, kind of like revisionist history. What would Eichel have had to have done in that final to kind of get that nod over Marcia? Score more goals. I mean, that's yeah. the biggest. That was the exactly. tiebreaker for me. I thought they were incredibly close. Um, but ultimately, I've, there's this phrase that I've, I've heard before, and I do kind of keep it in the back of my head, which is goals change games, mm-hmm. and guys get paid for goals. And there is something still, you know, maybe this is more the Neanderthal hockey brain of mine where of like, if you're the guy that puts the puck in the net, I think that trumps everything else, right? Like, yeah, yeah. if you pot what Marsha Zopa, which I believe is 13, mm-hmm. That's just ridiculous to me. Um, mm-hmm. Twice as many uh, as Jack, and I just don't want to weight goals and assists as like equal points, you know, quote unquote. I don't view them necessarily as equal. If you're scoring more goals than you are getting assists, uh, that to me really stands out. He obviously scored a lot of crucial goals mm-hmm. uh, for the Knights, and so that ultimately is how I kind of broke the tie in my head. And obviously, there's the argument where who's setting up all those goals, but I'm like, you still got to finish them, and he finished a lot of them during the playoffs. Were you ever waffle like were you waffling that day? Like going going into when when did you know? When did you have it solidified that that's what that's what your voting was going to be? I believe it was leading into that day cuz that was the first elimination game. So that was the first official like you have to turn this ballot in and luckily only had to do it once cuz yeah, you have to turn it in uh during the third period which is very stressful in terms of like making sure you remember while everything else is going on and in this case obviously you're preparing for this is definitely happening mm-hmm. and oh yeah the ballot uh situation um so i think i had done a bunch of research that day like pregame you know went through stats kind of crunched some numbers did a little bit what i do when i do my normal regular season awards ballot just to make sure like is there anything i'm missing or is there anything the eye test isn't telling me you know through natural stat trick nhl.com all the basics and they pretty much led me to the same conclusion, which was, no, it's probably a coin flip between those first two. And so, like I said, in that case, I just re- reverted back to my my hockey caveman logic. It was like, go with the goals. So at no point did Sergei Bobrovsky enter your mind? 
He did not. Uh, unfortunately for him, uh, his candidacy seemed to wither on the vine a little bit uh, the further the playoffs went on. Poor Bob. Uh, yeah, it really is um, unfortunate for Sergei Bobrovsky. And, you know, believe it or not, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Florida Panthers later on in the program because uh, Sasha Barkov had some interesting comments about how much the playoff run for the Florida Panthers strengthened them. Well, they're going to have to rely on that bond a lot in the early part of next season. But right now we'll take a break, come back, and we're going to play a game with Ben Goats on the VGK Insider Show. Rolling along here, VGK Insider Show. <laughs> Ryan Wallace, Jared Justice, royalty-free music. That's a change for this year. It's something to get used to, and Jared wants us to uh, guess the name. Is that what we're doing here? You want me to guess the name? No idea. No clue. It's called Hard to Beat. Hard to Beat? You just thought we were going to pull that out? No, it's just literally like, did anything about that song make you think, yeah, this would be something that somebody who's hard to beat. <laughs> no. No, it didn't fire me up. I'm not ready to go into, like, a, a massive uh, altercation here. Uh, that's the voice um, of Jared Justice. I got Ben Goats in here from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, does a great job on the beat. Uh, a, a No pun intended there. Um, listen, I, ben, ben has been a mainstay on the pregame show. Um, hopefully that'll continue. Hopefully for, for this season. Well, I mean, you know, I, I always ask you, you always say yes. Again, nicest man in Las Vegas media. I but try. Uh, do you do you like do you take that to heart being the nicest man in, in Las it's Vegas? It's a lot of media? pressure because I feel like I can't I need to then be nice like all the time. Like I don't want to let anyone da- like every now and then Darren will uh, <laughs> I'll make like a joke in the media room and Darren yeah. be like, that's a mean comment, Ben. But with like all the acid like dripping from mm-hmm. his voice where mm-hmm. I'm like like a dagger to the heart where like dare like i'm so disappointed in you but but they're not actually mean comments right like like i've never heard you say something mean or that i would classify as mean like that that to me is that's mallard poking the bear he is i know what he's doing but it also works no problem don't, don't let it work don't let it work. I'm just as human as the next person. Okay, that that's fine. That's fair. Um, but I will say this: like, are you? Have you always been a nice person? What if I were to tell you that no, I was like a terrible like 18 year old? That'd be awesome. Like it, it adds to it adds to your depth. It's not the case, but I, okay. I wish I had like, like a crazy. Like, no, I'm from Minnesota. Of course, I'm nice. I was I was a terrible person between the ages of like 18 to 26. And now look at you. You're awesome. I'm like a third of the level that Ben's at. But you're getting closer every day. So Ben Goats, nicest man in Las Vegas media. We're going to play a little bit of a game here, okay? It's always fun to start to think about your colleagues in a different way. And, and, and I want to know if you were going to start a hockey team, if you were going to have your starting six. We, we know what Bruce Cassidy did with his starting six, setting the tone in game five of the Stanley Cup final. He goes original misfits all the way across the board, e- except for Aiden Hill. But, you know, you couldn't put Will Carrier in goal. Works for Russ Tyler. Would have been great, though. I, I wish he did. I-, I wish that there was Just a way to do it. for the bit. It would have been phenomenal for the bit. It would have been the gimmick for sure. But, listen, that's how you set the tone. I want to know how Ben Goats would set the tone with Las Vegas media. What you're going to do right now is you're going to take all six positions. You've got goaltender, two defensemen, two wingers, and a center. And I do want you to differentiate between center and winger because there's reasons. Very there's important. responsibility. 
And I want to know who Ben Goetz thinks is the most responsible media member. So you can use any Golden Knight, more or less Golden Knight specific media member to fill out your starting six. And it doesn't have to be a current media member. But it does have to be a media member that Golden Knights fans would immediately recognize as somebody that covered this team on the beat. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Okay. So, Ben Goats, who's your starting goalie? Well, I think this one's pretty obvious, right? Uh, Lindsey Brown, who, of course, uh, does a lot of radio, was a collegiate goalie. This is, like, the easiest box to check because I think she has more, like, actual hockey experience than, like, Mm -hmm. the rest of us combined at least at like high level hockey experience I might be like close but not it's not good hockey experience compared to what Lindsay has uh this is actually like legit uh competition me is getting burned by Jake Gensel mm-hmm. uh in tryouts in a Woodbury uh peewees uh which by the way I'm gonna make myself the number one defenseman which tells you how good of a defensive team that is and why it's really good why we have Lindsay in goal because uh, we're going to need her. Oh, boy, are we going to need her. Listen, uh, you on defense getting burned by Jake Gensel is not the worst thing in the world. Like, you're talking about a high, high-level athlete there. We would play each other once a year, and mm-hmm. it was tryouts, and then they were immediately like, these two, n- not on the same <laughs> level. We need to separate these two. That was the purpose of tryouts, to get Ben Goats away from Jake Gensel, and they always succeeded, so kudos uh, to those coaches. I do. I mean, I got some range. I got a mean poke check, you know, don't bring the puck into my area. I will slap it away. What's the closest you ever got to hitting Jake Gensel? Uh, trying to hit him and then coming up with air. <laughs> the couldn't, boards couldn't, couldn't time the, the boards air. in Bielenberg ice center were lovely <laughs> that day. Really, really shook the glass <laughs> when my elbow just hit the pane. Just oh reverberations up and down, oh, that's and that's beautiful. that's how I ended up on the Woodbury C team. Literally one degree of separation between Ben Goats and Sidney Crosby. Real close. There it Many is. people are saying. Okay, so Lindsey Brown in net over the esteemed Darren Millard and Jesse Granger. I like where your head's at. I'm I'm all about it. I, I think that's a good they're pick. Both both good choices. Both once again, like so Lindsey's got like actual like collegiate yeah. experience. I mean, I think her resume speaks for itself. For sure. Really. Yeah. Hundred percent. I would have made the same choice. Like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm telling you right now. If I were on the hot seat and I'm not, I would have made the same choice. So Lindsey Brown, in goal. You've got yourself on D. Right D. That was a right shot. All right. Who's your lefty? Great, great slap shot with my. I used to have a wooden stick. Mm-hmm. Just fire that sucker. Um, my lefty. That's a really good question. Uh, I've been trying to like put myself through the motion. I'm gonna go with uh, Vince Sapienza, probably from Fox okay. Five. Yep. Vince knows, I think, his way around. A rink, you know. I think we've got a good mix of skills. Mm-hmm. I'm the big, you know, enforcer that doesn't really enforce all that well. You know, Vince can be our more of our puck mover, getting it up and down the ice, okay. setting me up, hopefully for like I said, that that beast of a one timer from sure. the top of the blue line. And that's where I'm going with that. Will this play out in practice? Absolutely not. Okay. No, but in my head, this is how it would work, and I think we could form a really beautiful partnership together. I really think we could be. The Nick Hag and Zach Whitecloud holding hands coming out of the tunnel for warmups before each game. Okay, now Lindsay's gonna hate this. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay's got Ben and Vince Sapienza in front of her, which is, you know, fine. Like you used a nice pair, right? Like Nick Hag, Zach Whitecloud, they're Stanley Cup champions. If you're close to that, I think it'll be okay. Um, though you say you're an enforcer that doesn't enforce. Like, Correct. If you were jumped by Darnell Nurse, like would you would you find it in you? 
to to do what Nick Hague did? I would if I am provoked, yes. you know, I will issue a challenge. Listen, so, if so you mess with the goat, you get the horns, as people are saying. Don't don't come what? at me, and I will come back at when, you. When but I need some, to be what provoked. Is that, what has anybody said that to you? Well, I say it all the time to people oh, that try okay. to mess with all right. me. That's good. I love that. That's the title, actually, right there. Oh boy. Um, listen, I I love where your head's at. I really do. You've got you've got a stay at home guy yourself. You've got a puck mover in Vince Sapienza. Um, I think Vince is fast. Like I, I I could I could see that in my head. So I like where you're going. You've got your D. You've got your goaltender. Who do you got on the left side, left forward? So that I'm going to put uh, former Knights beat legend. I think Shang Peng, we talked about this <laughs> beforehand. Uh, I need a guy who, you know, if we chip it in, can just get after it. And I think that's Shang. You ever watched one of the Knights press conferences? Mm-hmm. You ever watch him, you know, try to really get at the heart of an issue? He's relentless. Mm-hmm. He will, you know, just try to attack something until he gets the job done. And I really think... You know, we need that down the left side, especially, like I said, if we got Vince as more of the puck mover on the yep. left side, he's chipping those pucks, outletting them out to Shang Peng. I think we could have a nice combination there. I think we're moving pucks through the neutral zone very well and hopefully winning them back in the offensive zone. So I like how that sets up for us. Okay. Um, I love it. I I love it. it because you, you hit on the best quality of Shang Peng, and that's tenacity, right? Like, if you were around... During the Shang-Pang years, you know that there was no question off limits and there was no limit to the amount of time Shang would ask that question. <laughs> so if you want a guy that's going to go in deep, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna get below the goal line, he's going to crash hard, he's going to get tenacious in the corner and come away with the puck. You want a guy that's going to start the cycle. It's Shang-Pang. Absolutely. All right. Right winger. I've got to go with... Uh... My guy, former of the Las Vegas Sun, uh, one of my groomsmen in my wedding, Justin Emerson, getting back into beer league hockey, mm. by the way. So if you see a uh, good old J15 around, uh, not Lifeguard Arena anymore. I forgot what they changed the name to. But at that location, it might be Justin. Uh, listen, I, I've seen the man work out. He's just a prime athlete, got that new dad energy mm-hmm. going on right now. Uh, he's really just got a good pep in his step, I think, would provide you know a lot of energy, a lot of zip. For us, not afraid to shoot the puck. Maybe should be more afraid to shoot the puck. But, you know, you need a little fearlessness out there sometimes. And that's what Justin really has. He's not afraid to take on, you know, new challenges, take on all comers. Uh, That's what I really respect and appreciate Mm -hmm. and love about him. And I think he's really going to provide a nice compliment to Shang Peng, uh, you know, on either flank. Digging it out in the corner, Shang Peng setting up Justin Emerson. One timers, wrist shots. What's his specialty? I think more of a you know a wrist shot, but we can teach one timers. We can we can try to incorporate that hmm. more into his game. Like I said, I mean, if I'm running this team, the puck's going up to the point most of the time. I'm a very Carolina Hurricanes esque offensive coach, mm-hmm. mainly because I'm my own number one defenseman. So that's how I would like to run this team. <laughs> okay. Uh, me and Rod Brindamore, a lot of similar ideas, many people are saying. Right. Uh, Which means, like, if you get swept, it, it didn't actually happen that way. Didn't actually happen. Fun fact, yeah. Like, I don't know if you were watching, but it oh, didn't absolutely. actually happen that way. It wasn't a sweep. We didn't lose 10 to nothing. It, it just it looked, it appears that way, but it's not really what happened. Okay, so we've got Justin Emerson on the right. We've got Shang Peng, the absolute tenacious beast on the left side. Who do you got down the middle? So I thought a lot about this, mm-hmm. and I feel like we really need some strength down the middle, someone who's going to you know, provide some physicality, provide some two-way play. And I really got to go with my guy, uh, you know, Willie Ramirez mm-hmm. here, 
uh, anyone who you know knows Willie's Instagram or whatever, workout fiend, uh, also once lived in Minnesota, so from or at least once lived in a very key hockey hotbed. He and mm. I exchanged texts all the time about random Minnesota things. And so I really think that strength is what we need mm-hmm. in a pivot. I can see him absolutely establishing position in front of both net fronts. I think he would be really hard to clear out in front of the opposing crease. I think you would absolutely have a ton of hustle to get back uh, in front of our own crease, clear out pucks, help out the defense. So that's really what I'm looking for in a center that's going to lead this team uh, down the ice on both ends. So I think he ultimately like emerged as the pick for me, just because also look noticing, you know, the body types that we have on this roster and no offense Mm -hmm. to uh, the rest of our skaters uh, outside of Willie, but we're lacking a lot of uh, athleticism, leg strength, just overall strength. We don't need to specify what part of the body. Yeah. It's just all over strength that we're lacking. And so I did feel a need to inject some sort of athletic mm-hmm. talent yeah. into this team. Uh, and I think I think Willie would absolutely provide that so that we at least would have someone that opposing teams could look at and be like, oh, yeah, that guy works out. Okay, so let's run down the entire starting six, okay? We've got Shang Pang on the left, Willie Ramirez down the middle, and Justin Emerson on the right. L- left defense is... Um, My man Vince. Vince Sapienza, right defense, is none other than Ben Goats. And starting goaltender is Lindsey Brown. How many games would you win in, well, let's just say beer league? With I think that, we could with be a competitive roster. beer league team. Competitive beer league team. I mean, the goalie is the most important part, right? So if yeah. we have like a legit goalie in Lindsey, I actually feel pretty confident in our ability to win a lot of one nothing games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just bounce it off of someone's butt or keister. You know, I think we could get a lot of good screens and deflections in front. Uh, I think that would be a good spray and pray offense that we could make work as long as we've got, you know, Dominic Hasek back there locking it down for us. Okay. Uh, I I like where you've gone. I, I like what you've done. I understand the mix of athleticism with Willie. Um, again, I, I don't think you could pick a better tenacious first-line checking forward than Shang Peng. Um, that, to me, is is everything here. Um, so well done. I I like it. And you know what? You managed to do this without, I think, angering anybody. I hope like, not. I, I don't think that there's anyone that's going to sit back and listen to your reasoning and be like, should have been me. Should have been me. Listen, guy, you can, you know, try to woo me like Danny Webster. I love you. If you want to get on my team, we can talk it out. We can make this work. And it's the beautiful thing about hockey. We got line changes. We can get yeah. everybody involved. Okay. Well, now you said Danny Webster. Like, what what position would you throw Danny at? Now I'm just going to throw names at you. You see, I was debating. Like, I think Danny would be the first to admit that this would probably not be playing to his absolute strengths if he were to get on the ice and go up and down mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of different times. Uh, so I'll, I would put a maybe I could have him on, you know, my left. You know, I could work with him, balance him out a little bit, try to cover for him. You know, if he wants to get up in the play, I'll just be the stay-at-home guy, making sure we're taking care of our own end. You know, really try to mentor, you know, the young young defenseman who's actually older than me, I believe. Mm-hmm. So Danny was on the show yesterday. I, I've got Danny slotted in behind Lindsay. Like, I, I, I got Danny backup goalie. Ooh, I, I think it works. I think it works. Let's just uh, fire some pucks at Danny, see how he responds. <laughs> it's Goldberg, the goalie. <laughs> Mighty Ducks, ben, too. It's the best Mighty Ducks. Ben Goats doing a phenomenal job putting him on the spot. But, boy, was that fun. We're back with more on the VGK Instant. 
This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. More royalty-free music on a Friday. It's the VGK Insider Show. Ryan Wallace, Jared Justice, Ben Goats, coming to the end of his shift as a co-host, but... Uh, some great moments, some great memories from this this hour. What's what's going to stand out to you? I'm going to remember the clinching game a lot just because the scene was so crazy. Uh, I'm sure a lot of fans know this, but uh, reporters get to go on the ice after the game to interview players, and there's this crazy mad scene where literally we're lined up in the Zamboni tunnel, and there's just like this very small rope that's like dividing us between all the friends and family and they basically gave the friends and family like a minute head start. They're like, <laughs> all right, go friends and family. And then like, like a minute later, like not a lot of time, like, and go reporters. Yeah. You know, and yeah. everyone, there's like hundreds of us like streaming on the ice, just like this chaotic scene where we're trying to interview guys where meanwhile they're like hugging their family members and their loved ones. They're getting their kids on the ice. Um, they're putting them in the cup and all that. And so this is wild, crazy scene that I was just like so fun to take in because you literally saw for obviously all these families like lifelong dreams Mm -hmm. being rewarded and obviously not just the players themselves how ecstatic they were but you obviously saw you know dads mothers brothers sisters you know all these you know significant others that all obviously contributed to the championship in some small way getting that moment to to celebrate which was really special um the first interview I did was with Zach Whitecloud. There's a scrum of us, you know, talking to him, interviewing him, and he cut it off because he's like, "Guys, I need to say hi to my dad." <laughs> like he just like that's all Zach Whitecloud wanted to do yeah. in the moment, uh, and unfortunately, he was talking to us. But luckily, we, you know, we were all very understanding in terms of, yeah, no, you should go do that. Um, so that was <laughs> super fun taking it all, you know, in watching all those guys just have the time of their lives, and then of course for me running back to the media room and trying to fit it all into one story for the next morning's paper. Well, it was a good thing that the Golden Knights made you sweat it out on deadline, right? Like it, That was it, very helpful. It, it's it's a nice thing that you knew the game was over about 20 minutes into it. Halfway through the second period, I started looking down at my laptop, typing furiously, and never looked up again. And I was like, there was one point when Mark Stone scored the hat trick. I was like, all right, this is enough where I'll need to change this a little bit to make sure that we get the hat trick a little higher up in the story. But for the most part, we we were rolling right, by the second that, period. All right, that was kind of cool. I um, was like, that stands out. You know, it's funny because you grew up playing hockey. You, you, you're you from a place where hockey means everything, right? And, and, and you understand, I think, a little bit better how much it means to everyone else. Like, parents getting up early to take it to hockey practice. It is really a a family dream. So the the idea that there are players that had just done what they always wanted to do, and they've got their family there, that's, that's so awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, I mean, and so many guys mentioned that, right? Like, all the early morning... Car rides. I remember my dad getting me up for like 6 a.m. practices because that's where you could get ice in the Twin Cities at the time. So to see that all kind of come full circle, I think, was really meaningful to a lot of these guys and obviously their family members as well. Did you ever wear your gear in the car? All the time. Yeah, me too. Wanted to dress like a champ. My favorite. Look good, play good. It's beautiful stuff. Ben, thanks for jumping on here for the hour. I appreciate it, Ben. Thanks so much for having me. That's Ben Goats. His first hour as co-host of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Um, I don't know. I think he did pretty good. I enjoyed it. He really knows the best attributes of Shang Peng. That's all I'm going to say. We've got hour number two. Jared Justice reads your mailbag questions and one-timers on the VGK Insider Show.